Eat Well, Move Well podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, The Power of Detox. Hi everyone, it's Roland Denzel from eatwellmovewell.com and today it's just a brief introduction for the podcast interview where Janina Von Moose of the Power of Detox Telesummit interviewed uh, Galena and me a while back. It was part of her Power of Detox Summit, obviously, uh, but now that it is over, she has graciously granted us the audio so we could uh, share it with our podcast listeners. So I hope you enjoy, and if you have any questions, just hit us up in the show notes, comments, at uh, on eatwellmovewell.com slash Power of Detox Podcast. All right, enjoy. Galina and Roland Denzel here, two wonderful experts, and I'm so happy that they're going to share with us um, all their knowledge they have about exercise, fitness, and nutrition. And before we start, I would like to know a little, no, to tell you a little bit more about the Detox Summit, what it is about. So people that have already joined me, they know a little bit about my journey, but for these people that are here for the first time, I would like to share a little bit so years ago when i was around 15 i was seeing myself going into a direction that was not very healthy so i'm suffered very much from from migraines and lack of energy mood swings lactose intolerance and also bad digestion and if it would be by the doctors i would have taken a lot of pills and a lot of medication but i knew this would not lead me anywhere so I decided to pursue another path and I start reading a lot, reaching out to experts and trying things out that I could find on my way. And guess what? Today I don't have the symptoms anymore. And this got me so fascinated that I start doing more research on that topic, going deeper and deeper. And I certainly know that there are people outside that are suffering from the same problems that I had. And this is why I put this summit together and this is why I reached out for the best experts I could find on that field so that they, care, that they can share their knowledge with us and add some value into your lives. So I'm very happy to have these wonderful peoples with me today. They have written several books on different topics, either on fitness or also on nutrition. And the book that attracted most my, um, no, that attracted most my attention was The Real Food Reset. And we're going to deep dive into that later on because I want to know more and um, but before that I would be very happy to have them introducing themselves a little bit better and deeper so yeah feel free <laughs> do you want to start first sure my name is Roland Denzel and I have I grew up um, overweight so I'm 47, right? 47. And the first 35 years of my life, I was either fat, chubby, or generally overweight, kind of went up and down. And about 
12, 13 years ago, I decided to sort of, you know, finally make the change and made a plan to, to lose the weight and keep it off. And so far, so good. And so here, 12, 13 years later, um, I got so passionate about fitness and nutrition that I started to, to learn more about it, um, meet a lot of people in the fitness and nutrition um, communities, experts, and um, got so passionate about it that we started writing about it. I got certifications and started competing in kettlebell sport and just playing around, just generally changing over time, like this going from sedentary to really fitness oriented to now um, still heavily into fitness, but also sort of like a lifestyle and like a lifestyle of movement and nutrition instead of just, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. Okay, and I met her this whole thing too. Yeah. So Roland and I met through our common passion for movement and, and nutrition. And uh, we met online more years ago than we'd like to admit uh, so about like 12 years ago, I would say, thir- yeah, 12, 11, 12 years ago on a uh, website where we both um, just gave advice and sought advice and when forums were really big and it was our life there to be there every day and both get help ourselves and help other people. And uh, over time we met life and we had a book idea um, he had an idea to get all of his experience losing a hundred pounds and keeping it off and becoming healthy and share it with other men. And I had experience as a personal trainer at the time, back in 2008, having coached thousands of people through that in my facility. And I had the sort of bigger picture where he knew how it worked for him. And I knew how it worked for a lot more people. So I kind of had, he had the personal story that is so powerful and inspiring. And I had more of the general idea of how is this going to work for several other kinds of people, not just him. And so we got together, drafted the book, fell in love, then got married and, and all of that good stuff. So we have kind of blended our practice um, since I moved to the U.S. to be with him. Um, we've blended our practice. And so we write together and we blog together and um, coach together when possible. We just got done with a 90-day challenge where we kind of had like a good cop, bad cop thing going on um, and uh, coached a, a big community of people here. We're really passionate about reaching local people life, even though we have a, a good online practice, but we really like touching the lives of people and families, uh, something that we're very passionate about. I specialize in therapeutic exercise. I work with chronic pain. Um, I have a facility where I deal a lot with injuries and people that are suffering quite a bit. Nutrition is a big part of it. And so it, it has kind of worked out. We just handed in the manuscript for our next book just this week. And uh, our publisher is excited. I'm hoping as excited as we are. Um, wow. Yeah, you should see it next week. It kind of encompasses this new approach that we've come up with in the last three or four years that's more integrated. And we're very excited about it. That sounds great. Are you going to share a little bit about that later? Or is it just oh, a absolutely. Surprise? Absolutely. <laughs> There's no no secrets. 
Well, thank you very much for sharing. When I hear that, it sounds like a perfect love story from Hollywood to me. <laughs> it, it kind of it kind of does, but you know, there were like three years of uh, heartache and pain in there. So well, when we when you have a love summit, we'll come. Okay, that that's good to know. I have a friend of mine doing that. No, the good thing is today when I was preparing for the interview, I told my boyfriend, "Well, I will have an interview with a couple," and he said, "Yeah, perhaps we should." do something together and I said yeah but we have no common topic on that sentence <laughs> <laughs> yeah but perhaps you never know where the story goes <laughs> yeah. that's true you never know what's going to happen in five years you're gonna be like, oh, no, no we never but it, but it really sounds beautiful to me so I've seen you have several programs what, what, what I really like is I see you give some practical tips that people can implement at home because we certainly know that people don't have enough time they're always on a rush and they have a lot of excuses or they come up with excuses and time is yeah the thing they most use but there are other things like i have to cook for family so i cannot take care of the nutrition and everything so how have you put together these specific programs well we have there are two general types of people. There's the type of people that want to jump into it feet first or head first, whatever. They want to jump right into it and they want to do everything at once. So, and then there's the other type that if there's a big change they have to make in their life, a huge barrier, then they're never going to do it. Like they might buy the book and they might open it and then they're going to see, Oh, these are like, I have to work out five days a week. I have to, um, walk 10,000 steps a day. I have to make I all have to do that. something. <laughs> exactly. And they won't do any of those things just because there's too many things. Mm -hmm. So we try to identify which person we are dealing with and give them the thing that's going to help them. Because what, the, what really matters is, I mean, if somebody's sick, it really matters today. They're better. But if they are generally, but what matters even more is a month from now or two months from now, how much progress have they made and are they able to stick with it? So I think that's a, one of the, that's, that's probably the biggest distinction is knowing who you're dealing with and also really going past that idea of people feel very disempowered um, by their previous attempts because if you get your information from media or there's a specific type of, of program that really takes everything out of you, it's really easy to swing the, the other way and, and do, you know, completely get off the wagon. So people don't have a realistic idea of how strict they have to be. So they go stricter than they should be and then they go ahead and, and just really party after it because they're tired and so what happens is by the, the time they come to us, they've had several, if not tens if, or hundreds of attempts and failures. So it, it's really hard for them to get the, the, the energy and the courage to start again. And this is where we come in, where you really want to analyze what's worked, what hasn't worked, and, and kind of put in a new framework and think long term. Think six months, a year, two years from now. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who just finished our 90-day challenge, and he lost 50 pounds in the first 90 days and only 5 pounds in the 30 days after. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about how that's absolutely normal, and we want to celebrate that because it's a gradual change now that he can maintain throughout the next year or two years, 
and have another 30, 60 pounds down, right? Yeah, that's, that's very important. So what you think you do differently or how you get to encourage these people that have um, seen so much time failure or, or have not really matched it. So what do you do different? <laughs> yeah, we, um, we like to let, so a big part of it is people have unrealistic expectations. So they thought that I can do these things and it's going to make a big change to me tomorrow. But if you have, if you are either very overweight or you have like irritable bowel syndrome or something like that, or migraines, um, it's not always the, the fact that you're taking the food out or adding a new food in that, ca that fixes the problem right away. It's getting, it's once you've taken these things out or added those things in, your body has, takes a time to adjust and it can take weeks or months and they get very frustrated when it doesn't happen right away. Um, and, and then they just give up. So we have to educate them that small changes can have big effects, but they have to give it time. So rather than give them a long list of things that they need to do, we maybe give them one thing that they'll have success, that we know that they'll have success with. And you sort of negotiate with them, like in the, like in the discussion process, we say, Hey, you know, um, can you add, you know, can you add more protein to your diet? And they say, yeah, that's not too bad. And then we kind of give them some examples of how to add more protein to their diet. And then you say, well, how you say you can add this protein to your diet. How confident do you think you can do this? Like, can you add a little bit more protein to every meal? Oh, I'm pretty confident. Well, on a scale of one to 10. And they're like, oh, like six. Like, oh, well, okay, so let's talk about that. The six isn't really high enough. Let's, we don't say six isn't high enough, but, you know, we think, well, six isn't really high enough. We'd like to get it to about a seven or an eight or a nine. Okay, to have really the commitment there. Yeah, so then when you look at, okay, so what? how can we rephrase the question or make the barrier a, a little bit easier so they can get it up to an eight or nine? So we say, well, can you pick one meal a day to start with mm -hmm. that, like which meal a day do you have the least protein in? It's usually breakfast for most people. Um, or so can you add... Um, and instead of having one egg, can you have, add an extra egg? Or can you have an egg and a piece of ham? Or if you have oatmeal, can you add a scoop of protein powder to your oatmeal? And with it's just one meal, that going from all going from adding protein at every meal down to just one meal a day is often enough for to say, oh yeah, I can commit to that. That's not a not a big deal. And then you get it up to eight or nine. So then they've seen a little bit of progress, and then the next week you come in, and then you can say, well, let's look at another meal. Can we add that again to another meal? Because you found some success with that. So then they've had a week of not failing. And then they're like, yeah, I didn't fail. I did it. They feel good about it, and now they're ready to move on and add something else. Okay. Yeah, I think this is very important. So how much have yourself served as a role model at the beginning? Because you, you told me about your personal transformation. Ooh, can I can I speak about that one? Yeah. I I feel like it's really important to have real life role models, and I think what makes us successful with our clients is that we have Roland, and if they don't know him personally, I can open Man on Top and be like, look at how overweight my husband used to be, and Man on Top is one of our books. Yeah, and look at how, <laughs> yeah. and look at how amazing he looks now, and it sort of gives them this idea that. 
he or one of us, one of the team has been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of hard, especially for guys to get motivation from, from girls. Yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like 122 pounds and I know I look like I've been that size my whole life. So how motivating can I be, you know? Um, so you, you need to find people that you can relate to. And I feel like Roland is somebody who is easily relatable to. He didn't used to be an athlete. Um, he runs kind of funny, um, you know, hey. so, hey, <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's not like that. There's a lot of people out there that used to be like college athletes and then they just let themselves go a little bit and then they lost a bunch of weight and now have a six pack. It's harder to identify with someone like that than with somebody who has kids and a full-time corporate job and, you know, has fitness and nutrition as a hobby after work like Roland does. So he's kind of like our real life model that it's mm-hmm. really, really possible. And I think that's a big deal. And not just him, we also surround our clients with other positive examples. We have a whole bunch of interviews in Man on Top with people who are successful. We also invite people on our podcast who are successful to talk. And Yeah, I saw that I, this morning. Yeah, and I and I always try when I start with a new person, I always talk to them about immersing themselves in the content of health. And listening, I'll send them several podcasts to listen to that are appropriate to their level. I'll give them several books to read um, so that they can start breaking through some of these belief systems that have held them in place without progress for such a long time. People who are afraid of fat, for example, it's great to give them Death by Food Pyramid by Denise Winger. It's a Mm -hmm. great read where they can go, wow, this is all about politics? Seriously? Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, I've been seriously swindled here in the last 40 (laughs) years. So giving them not just us, but surrounding ourselves with other sources of knowledge and and giving them this support network where it's not our way or the highway. There's a whole movement in nutrition and understanding human processes that's going on right now that's better than ever before. So just making them a part of something bigger. So personal example from Roland and then also saying, hey, there's more people like him out there. I also think it's important to show them that we're not perfect and we're Mm -hmm. still, and we're still healthy. So, I mean, obviously some people have certain dietary restrictions where they can't eat certain foods. Like you, maybe some people can't eat dairy. So we don't want them to be perfect, but if they can't eat dairy, let's not eat the dairy, right? But you can eat, you know, but you can have a little bit of junk food every once in a while, as long as it doesn't negatively affect your health. You just have to work it, you know, figure out a way to, to sort of manage that, like the 80-20 or a 90-10 kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. So for local people, like people that I'm meeting with locally, sometimes we'll meet at a local coffee house and, you know, where I'm having a cup of coffee and they're, you know, and they'll be surprised that I'm having a cup of coffee because they think coffee is not healthy for some reason. And then, or, and I have one client who likes to eat out at fast food all the time. So I offered to join, Hey, let's meet for lunch. And we met for lunch at a fast food place. And he's like trying to pick all these fancy places. I'm like, no, let's just go to like a regular place. And he goes, well, I didn't think you'd eat there. I said, well, I can eat there. I mean, I eat there and I just make different, I make the choices that are good for me at the fast food place, but it's not the end of the world. If you have some fast food. Mm -hmm. And I think they like the fact that they don't have to throw away their whole life. Like everything that they've grown up with, immediately they can make small changes and so showing that i wouldn't say it's like a vulnerability but it's like showing that 
I'm not a perfect person and I still have these cravings. I still crave junk food, but I've managed I do. Yeah. And, um, and like I prefer milk chocolate over dark chocolate. I don't, you know, dark chocolate, I'll eat dark chocolate if it's here, but I'd rather have milk chocolate because it tastes better. Yeah. If you came to Switzerland, you will crave Swiss chocolate. It's really good. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. So just showing them that they don't have to be perfect. So in online, we talk about like we, like we don't show a lot of pictures of junk food that we like that we eat, but we, I think it's about 90, 10. So like we show how simple food can be made um, with pictures, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, but also every once in a while we talk about how, you know, we worked a little bit, we had pizza because we hadn't had pizza in months and we worked a little bit indoor diets. Yeah. We haven't had pizza since last summer. So I think it's about time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, know- I did this myself an, another day because I'm always about smoothies and greens and stuff. And the other day I just posted that, well, from time to time you need a cheat day and people loved it. Oh, we didn't know you also eat that kind of food. <laughs> well, it's, in, in a way, our environment is so rich in those foods. If you tell people that they have to go 100% away from it and given it's necessary for a, a, a period of time for some people, but they don't know what they can go back to that's a little bit more balanced. Mm -hmm. And so they just go back to their old habits. So they go from, you know, 100% strict to 0% strict versus they could have fantastic results at 90-10 or 80-20. And it's great to teach them. Like I teach all my clients how to calculate, you know, number of meals per week or calories, whatever they prefer to calculate and be able to know if they're at 80 20 or 90 10 and if they start dropping below 80 20 there's there's some red flags that usually start coming up like issues with digestion or sleep or energy and you know you don't need to get a whole body rash to know that something's off you know you better know before that absolutely so yeah. you you mentioned your your cravings that you sometimes crave uh things we should not have so mm-hmm. what do you recommend to your clients to to go over these cravings well, it's kind of tough, and it depends on different different people. So some people do fairly well from the beginning, and they can limit themselves to, like, one cheat meal a week or something like that, where other people need a significant amount of time away from the, the cheats, away from the junk food, before they can sort of safely go back to it without going on a binge again. So it kind of depends on, on their personality. Are they binge eaters or emotional eaters? Um I'm an emotional eater, and if I get nervous or upset, I, I crave, you know, bad foods. And But, you know, I try to recognize that that's happening. But early on, it took me a while to where I would have to strategically plan. Like, if I'm going to have a cheat meal, it had to be – it would be better to have it at the end of a day because when I go to bed – you know, you break your, you have your cheat meal, you brush your teeth, you go to bed the next day. It's a new day. And I don't have those cravings again versus if my cheat meal is like pancakes or something, um, or donuts first thing in the morning, it's going to make me crave food like that all day. And that, so that's tougher. So there's different strategies for different things. I do think that if you, for a lot of our, our clients and for me, if I took, take 30 days of sort of focused 
on real food, you know, meat, vegetables, eggs, um, some, a little bit of fruit, just like the basic real food stuff and just um, eliminate and like not go for the treats for about 30 days. It kind of does like a mental reset and it kind of shows you that, yeah, you might still crave those things. You might still miss those things, but 30 days is a manageable amount of time to go without for most people. It's not too, too tough. Mm -hmm. And knowing that they have that 30 days, that it's only 30 days and that they can go back and if they want to a little, and add some stuff in at the end gives them a mental, um, like a, what do you, how would you phrase that? Um, it takes the pressure off. Yeah, that's it. The pressure. Yeah. yeah. Well, also if, are you, were you done? No, go ahead. Okay. Also it's, it's necessary to, to start catching those behaviors of, of why do you want a certain food? Like Roland knows when he's sad or upset, he wants a certain food. There's people who eat out of boredom. There's people who eat just to suppress certain feelings that are coming up. Um, and then there's also people who eat for physiological reasons. Like if you are under eating, a lot of the female clients I work with are very afraid of carbohydrate. Yeah, so I experience the same and they're under eating all the time. They're under eating carbs usually or fat or protein, but most of the women or I see, or, or all, <laughs> yeah, or calories, but most of the women that I see will severely under eat carbs and they'll be like, well, I had fruit, but then you look at the carbs for the day and it's like 70 grams of carbs and that woman had two hours of act activity, like hard, like exercise that day. And so there's this fear of carbohydrate, and, and I've lived in that place for many years of my life, eating low-carb, where you're just terrified that if you eat carbs, you're just going to swell up. And um, then they're craving, like, late at night when willpower drops, because as you know, willpower is finite. So as the day goes along, your willpower drops. Yes. And the, the amount of, of hunger that you have doesn't drop. It keeps going. You become more and more aware of how much you're hungry or you haven't fed yourself. And as you get more tired or you're sleep deprived, your ability to say no drops as well. And so then you say yes to a whole bunch of stuff that's laying around the house. And oftentimes people who eat healthy don't really have a lot of junk in the house. So they end up eating stuff like I had some yogurt with honey and uh, raw cacao. And then I had two bananas and then had some coconut flakes and then I had some almond butter. And you look at it and it's like a thousand calories of food at the end of the day that they tried to use to satisfy a craving. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they're not having the one piece of chocolate or the one potato or the one bowl of rice early on throughout the day. So that made it absolutely. Yeah. So you didn't have a bowl of rice with lunch. You saved 150 calories And now you just ate a thousand trying to satisfy your hungry heart. So it's really, it, it's really a lot of it is a mental game of, of just kind of playing with yourself and education comes in and personal example comes in where I can say, Hey, I have been where you are and this is what I changed and, and things are looking much better. Um, and also under eating happens in men as well who are very, very busy And then they end up starving all day and then having three dinners. So th that's very common. I find it more common than not. With emotional eating, you can do things like, you know, mindfulness practice and mindful eating and, and really teaching people about savoring their food. But if you're hungry, there's no savoring. I mean, if you, that's a biological thing. Yeah. 
So we, we all know that um, health consists of different pillars, let's say, nutrition, mental health, and also movement. So how do you put your programs together? Oh. Well, pillars is a good way to, I like to put pillars. it. Um, and so you look at what the long, like where they are now and where the optimum would be, and then you just sort of give them baby steps along the way. So... And part of that is that negotiation. What is the thing, like you can, for many of our clients, we can give them a lifestyle change, a movement change, and nutrition change all at the same time. But for some people, even that's too much. So you kind of, in the interview process, you can kind of find out what their specific goals are. Like what do they think is the thing? Because sometimes even though they might benefit more from walking, they don't think they would. So you might give them something that is immediately going to, in their mind, make a big change. So adding more protein or adding vegetables at every meal. Um, they might not feel the difference, but in their mind, that's more important. So let's get them to work on that first. Other people, they, they think, well, I'm a, I lead a sedentary lifestyle. So um, I need to be, oh, I need to be walking. And um, so for them, we, you know, get like, a fit, tell them about a Fitbit or a pedometer and try to get them just to walk a little bit more. So it's not as important to say, you know, like a lot of people say, I can't walk. I don't have the time to walk 10,000 steps a day. But if they're walking 2,000 steps a day, can they move it up to 3,000 steps? Um, and or can you say, let's look at so 3,000 steps times seven is 21,000 steps. Is there a way you can get 21,000 steps this week? So I know you're busy at work, um, but on the weekend you have more time. So maybe you can walk 5,000 steps on, one of, on your two weekend days, and even though you can't walk as many steps here during the week. So we get them slow. It's baby steps is everything. It's like everything is something that they can accomplish, feel that sense of accomplishment, and, and really limit the times that they've failed. Yeah. And, and also really finding where everybody is, because usually what happens, I don't know how it is where you live, but in the U.S., there's this idea that you have to go really hard at things. Mm -hmm. Like there's this really high effort, go get it, get to your goal. And there's really not much focus on where you are right now and what the journey is going to look like. It's more like this is what I want. Like to be fit, you need to run every morning and do a... 5k every couple of months and a mud run with your colleagues and a marathon once a year and you need to join this gym where when you leave you're completely drenched and everybody goes to hot yoga so there's a an understanding of this like monstrous amount of work that you need to do and so that keeps people culturally keeps a lot of people timid and afraid to go there because it's such a big, big thing. And a lot of people get injured, which is great job security for me because I deal with chronic pain. But unfortunately, there's few people that are really looking at where am I right now and what's the minimum amount of thing that I have to do to change. So we always look at what's your daily movement like? If you're sitting for your work, can you stand up every 30 minutes? Or can you transition to a stand-up workstation for a part of your day? That's going to create a lot of biochemical changes. 
And then next, what's your walking like? If you're walking 2,000 steps a day, like Roland said, can we bump it up a little bit? You don't need to start a 10K challenge as soon as you get a Fitbit. And so just teaching them to do a little bit more. Well, do you do any strength training? And if you don't, can you maybe, you know, twice a week do some push-ups instead of joining a gym and, you know, doing CrossFit and, you know, getting injured that first week? Freeletics and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, can you and, – and those people that are already in the gym three times a week, maybe they don't need to be in the gym seven times a week. Maybe they can start sprinting or hiking or doing something else. So really meeting them where they are and – you know, picking things up a notch. And then sometimes we see people that do too much. So we need to take it down a notch. Like if you are at a, you know, strength training facility every single day killing yourself and you're ill, then we might need to drop that down a little bit and have you do a little bit more walking and a little bit more, you know, restorative exercise and, you know, something else that is not as strenuous. It, it, it could be all sorts of things. People get I mean, lack of sleep is a big one. So if, you know, sometimes it's more, if we can get somebody to sleep an extra hour a night, that can have a lot more mm-hmm. benefits to their health and even their fat loss than going to the gym an hour every day. Yeah. So if there's, if you look at our pillars, we always look at movement as a lifestyle. So can you get movement throughout your day and exercise more like a supplement? So movement we always find to be more important than exercise because that's, you know, how our biology is built. We can't be sedentary all day long and go work out at night. That doesn't necessarily negate the effects of of being sedentary. So teaching people about the importance of all day movement and then doing, you know, a real food diet would be our second pillar. And our third one would be, you know, managing your environment, things like can you stand up to to work instead of sitting or um, can you, you know, set up your home so that you have the ability to stretch and do some stuff in front of the television instead of just sitting on your couch or can you, you know, play with your children? Can you sleep a little bit more? Can you make your room dark and cold? All of that stuff that's just managing environment that's really important. Because if you have a whole bunch of chocolate at home, that's what you're going to eat. If you have a whole bunch of apples, that's what you're going to eat. So setting up the the environment is really important. Okay. And then what is this 20 minutes to fit about? Oh, this is fun. The 20 minutes to fit? The program? Yes, 25 minutes to fit. Okay, so that is for more... um, It's generally for people who are more fitness-oriented, but... What it gives you the ability to do is in about a half an hour, you know, we've timed it. We've both done it. It's 25, you know, you can do it in 25 minutes. It gives you the ability to squeeze in a workout at home with as little as like one dumbbell or one kettlebell. Um, and it's just enough. And it's, it starts with one day a week and moves up to as many days a week as you need to. So it, it really works with our philosophy and the way we've designed it is the warm-up is part of the exercise. So you don't have to go and do like a long warm-up and, and then come and do the exercises. The, the exercise itself is, a, is sort of a warm-up for itself. So it's been, a, you know, it's pretty good. It's been a, Okay, and, I will have a closer look on that. <laughs> okay. It's been fun. It's a, it's, a fun, it's a fun little workout for people that don't have a lot of tools, who can't leave home to go to the gym, because here, you know, distances are so large. Sometimes to get to a gym and to get back home, it's like two hours of your day. 
and that's prohibitive for most people would rather them go to the garage, do something for 20 minutes, and then spend the extra hour and 40 minutes with their kids. I think the big problem out there is that people assume that they have to work out for like an hour at a time, five days a week to get anywhere. But while that might be the requirement for somebody to be like a bodybuilder or to get super chiseled abs, most people just want to start off with getting fit. And you can do that with one or two days, you know, half an hour each time. And then, you know, we always recommend extra walking. Like walking is one of the the most powerful things you can do um, for your overall um, full body health. It has mental benefits, physical benefits, hormonal benefits. And you can do so many things while you're walking. You can't do with other types of exercise. You can read, you know, audio books, listen to podcasts, and actually absorb relax. that. Relax. Relax, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's enough just to go out and not have something in your, not have headphones in, and just, just walk for half an hour and think about things. And people, yeah, this day, and, mm-hmm. yeah with, with being told, with being connected to the internet, and with the, our phones and everything so, many, so much, people have, it's like when you are there without something connected, you're like, oh, what am I going to do? Um, they feel lost. So spending like a half an hour out there walking every day with nothing going on is a great way to, or talking. If you walk with your spouse or your, your, uh, your boyfriend or your kids and just talking, that's has so many more benefits. Yeah. My life is really, really busy and I really don't have time to walk. So what I've done at work is I've built in walking for my clients um, a lot of people have pain because their their gait is off. So we'll do five or ten minutes of each session. We'll be walking. So we'll go outside my office and I walk with my clients repeatedly throughout the day. If I have nutrition coaching to do, we'll do walking meetings. So we'll walk and talk about your plan for the next week versus talking on the phone or sitting and talking. And so that's really worked very well to create an opportunity for me to take care of my health while I'm teaching them something. Wow, and then that's I, a great idea. I'm, I'm probably going to steal that go, one. <laughs> go ahead and, steal it. and you know, if you have phone coaching to do, you can just walk and be like, you know what? Let's walk during this coaching meeting unless they have, you know, like kids around that they need to take care of. But if, if they're on their own or if they're, it's a young mom with a stroller, why, why not? And then um, you can just build that in your, in your, in your programs. Be like, hey, these are walking meetings. And then when I get home at night from work, Roland and I walk to get our groceries. So in America, as you know, people get their groceries like once every two weeks and they get, you know, five carloads and they get home and we buy only what we need for the day. So that's been another way that we've built walking right before dinner. Um, so it's some of, there's a cost to obtaining our food. Our ancestors spent a lot of time and calories obtaining their food and we can now just pick up the phone and the food comes to us. Um, You don't really need to do anything to get your food and it's extremely important to start spending calories to get food. So we walk to the grocery store, we, we do some gardening, we grow some of our vegetables so that spends some calories and then, um, you know, we try to do as much of the cooking as we can from scratch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that walking, I think that then walking. you also make sure you have the fresh foods. 
Yep. Yeah, and we don't we don't waste things either. We don't because, waste any food because if you buy a week or two weeks of worth of food, some of it's going to go. Some of those vegetables way in the back are going to be uh, not good. By the time you yeah, get and to the it. thing that lasts for two weeks is not the thing we should eat. We know that exactly, exactly. And that's our walk. That's our walking meeting as well. So we walk in because we see each other a lot, but by the time we get home, we're both pretty tired. So that's a good time to um, we we both get done with work. We can talk about what we want to have for dinner. We can talk about what little projects we have, what we have going on, how our days were, and it's a nice reset. So then by the time we get home, you know, it's it, we, our mental our, our mental states have changed, and now we're ready to go into cooking and having an, our, our evening to kind of wind down. And I think over the, like, we have, you know, our, our book, The Real Food Reset, is like a detox kind of a program based on just putting in the most pure foods possible rather than going on something that's super strict and purging things out of your body. So it's like the healthiest things you can do to put into your body, the least likely you are to have to actually do a physical detox, right? But there are so many ways to detox. There's the, we were talking about the electronics detox that we just talked about a couple minutes ago. There's um, anything we can do to get ourselves more into the, sort of the mental, physical, emotional state. Um, <laughs> it helps. Yeah. You know. Like even, even thoughts is something that you can try to detox from. Like I, I find a lot of people who come to me have a, a really strong habit of negative self-talk. Yep. Like they'll come and they'll say, oh, I'm a mess, or this is really bad, or, you know, I just, I just hurt so much, and there's, you know, the, like I, I fail over and over, and I don't know what's wrong with me. So there's a lot of this negative self-talk as well. And so you can detox from that as well. You can give yourself a day or two hours a day where you'll be aware of what's going through your head and, in, you know, being like talking back to those negative thoughts and replacing them with slightly more positive ones. And I'm not one to be all about positive thinking. Oh, just think positively because when life is painful, it's painful, but you can add insult to injury by, you know, adding your own judgment or your own, your own criticism to what's not going the way you want it to go right now. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree on that. I did a 30-day zero negativity detox challenge with my group, and it was fantastic. People yeah. then started to realize how much they were having this negative thought, because if you're not aware, you're just behaving like this. Yeah. So um, in your book, you talk about food reset, so it's 30 days. What is your opinion then on this fancy detox and flush programs that are all out there? Well, a lot of them, a lot of them work because they eliminate. It's not that they're specifically doing anything that they're flushing anything, but you're eliminating a lot of the things that you. First of all, you're, you're typically eating less, so you're taking in a lot of a lot fewer calories, and you're eliminating a lot of the things that are irritating to your body in doing that. So there's a variety of ways to do that. You can do it very quickly by going on, uh, you know, like a, a flush plan, right? But that's not really sustainable for most people in the long run. So we have many clients that have done, done these over and over again. And, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to go on this plan. It's 21 days or it's 10 days or whatever. 
of cayenne pepper and you know honey and lemon juice and but then and they lose a lot of weight and they, they say they feel better although hungry but then they go back on and they gain all the weight right back and they start to feel bad again after a few more weeks because they just went right back to their old habits and they didn't have a lot of nutrition those those um detox plans have very little nutrition now if you look at the ones that are more like smoothie based or um like shake based they have tend to have more nutrition because those people you know focus a little bit more on um, greens and vegetables and fruit and some of them protein powders that go into these things. So you'll have more nutrition. So I think those are healthier, but still, unless you really enjoy having shakes and smoothies as your lifestyle, you're probably, when, when that time is over, you haven't taught yourself anything about cooking real food or the, the taste of, um, the taste of regular food versus processed, canned and fast food. So you're still more likely to, to kind of go back to your old habits again. I, I find that they're very beneficial if they're very short term, like two or three days to kind of reset that idea of you always have to have your stomach full and pushing in mm-hmm. order to feel like you've eaten. They kind of recalibrate your idea of hunger, which is a good, it's, it's a good side mm-hmm. effect of those plans. Um, in my, one of my coaching groups, that I have in Bulgaria, we do the 30-day reset that we have, the Real Food Reset book. I have it translated from my program there. And we started with three days of just bone broth and cooked vegetables. And one of the goals is to, to help the digestive system and to help, help the gut a little bit with the bone broth. And also bone broth is really time-consuming to make. So these first three days that you're not cooking anything else and just kind of learning about bone broth are important. But then when they start eating on the fourth day, you know, meat and eggs and vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds and some dairy, they feel like they have so much more choice. So there's an idea of I'm not depriving myself if you've deprived yourself a little bit in the beginning. So there's that mental benefit and also the resetting of hunger and fullness. What I hate about detox plans, whether there's 3, 7, 21, however many days, is that they set an unrealistic expectation of how fast weight can drop mm-hmm. because you drop a lot of weight in those first few days and you feel like you've accomplished something. Whereas a lot of it is just water weight and just, you know, weight from going to the bathroom. And then every time that you do a more sensible plan that doesn't give you that fast result, you feel like that other more sensible plan is not working because now you have set an unrealistic expectation. Um, There's also many people that are on low-carb diets that are kind of in the same predicament where they say, every time I eat carbs, I gain weight. It's not that you gain weight, it's that you retain water because you're walking around under-carbed all the time. Mm -hmm. And then when you have some carbs, you actually go to your normal weight. So now you're at your normal weight. We can talk about it a little bit. So there's that kind of unrealistic idea and this relationship with the scale that's not very healthy our good friend nutritionist cassandra forsyth she will actually have her clients take the scale and throw it out of the balcony like she has people ritually destroy their scales at the beginning of working with her because she doesn't want them to be attached to a number 
And, you know, I, I do believe that it works. Yeah, I think the fat law, I think the low-fat diet, like book writers and the, the, the people that advertise these things, I think they've done people who want to live a healthier lifestyle a disservice because they set the wrong expectations. If you go on a low-carb diet, even one that has the, you know, is the, the right amount of calories to not allow you to lose weight, you'll lose weight because it's water weight because you just, you're going to pee out the, that extra fluid. And then as soon as you have some extra carbs, it triggers your body to retain some extra water. So that's not bad. It's not bad to lose that water weight, and it's not bad to gain the water weight back. But people have people associate weight with fat, and it's not the same thing. Yeah, I, same I thing. agree to that. Same thing with sodium. So people will go on very low-sodium diets, and they will not, you know, they will flush out a lot of water as well. And then they go and they have... Um, junk food, which has a lot of carbs and a lot of sodium, and then, so, then it triggers the body. So, and if you have most of the stuff is held in in muscle, the, the glycogen, but there's a lot of it. The people who have lost a lot of weight, who have a lot of empty fat cells, when those things shrink, these people when they get when they eat junk food, they whether it's through inflammation or um, or glycogen, or both. We have a client who has lost over 100 pounds, and when he has a couple of beers and a couple of slices of pizza on Friday night, he can gain almost 20 pounds by Monday. So the next morning, he's up 5 pounds. Sat by Sunday, he's up 10 pounds. Monday, he's up another 5 pounds. And it takes him over a week for him to lose that. But he goes on that diet. And so there's just, the, the like Galena said, the scale weight and how like much body fat you have are so much different and it's time to get it's time to for people to sort of uh go more on how their clothing fits how they look progress pictures and and things like that rather than just what the scale says yeah i think this is absolutely the right approach so coming back a little bit on what you said about like detox with smoothies and also 90-10 or 80-20, what I did myself was a 30-day smoothie challenge. So I couldn't do it too extreme so people could not live just only on smoothies. So I put together a group of 102 people that would stay on the same diet, but they would just replace the breakfast to a green smoothie. And after 30 days, they had to like share a little bit what they've noticed and what they have had in their diaries. And we noticed better skin, digestion, more energy, less cravings and weight loss up to seven pounds. So if just this little change can do so much, I'm wondering what happens after three, 30 days of full reset when they do it with you, what, what can expect, what do people can expect when they do your program? Well, well, first of all, I'd like to say that what you did by replacing breakfast with a green smoothie is probably like the best choice because at least in America, breakfast is usually the least healthy meal or it's the least, it's the one, the meal that has the, you know, unless somebody's eating eggs and an omelet or something like that, they're eating bagels or cereal or donuts. It's the same in Switzerland, butter and honey and syrup and yogurt. Yeah, so even if like, um, so it's either empty calories or unhealthy. Yeah. 
or the, the ratios are just really whacked out from like from that. So by replacing you, you added a lot of vegetables that they probably weren't getting at all. So suddenly they're getting a lot of vegetables and maybe some fruit. And so you're getting all that fiber and those micronutrients that's it's probably doing a lot for them. Yeah. So something that I find on, on 30 days is there's people have results that they expect and then they have results that they didn't expect. So most people, most people will say that they want to be healthy, but most people really just want to lose weight or look better naked. Uh, and, as sad, <laughs> and as sad as it is, we live in a very uh, pressured culture as far as looks. Um, here in Southern California, it's, it's really crazy. So people will say, yeah, I want to be healthy, but kind of like deep down, everybody hopes they, they lose weight. Yeah. So, so there are different amounts of weight loss that happen on 30 days of a reset. If you're very close to your goal weight, like when I do it, I'm exactly at my normal weight. So when I do it, I usually drop like half a pound or a pound, which is nothing because I'm very close to my goal weight. But we have people who have 100 pounds to lose or 150 pounds to lose. Whoa. Yes, in America, people have a lot of pounds to lose, sometimes 200, and then they will drop a lot of weight. You see 30 pounds come off, 40 pounds come off. It's crazy. But then there's also the, the other effects that people didn't expect, such as they're not hungry, they don't have cravings, they don't think about food as much, or their bellies don't bloat, they get less gassy. Um, the transit time shortens, so they go to the bathroom faster after they ate. Uh, their skin will improve or their mood will improve. They'll start to <clears throat> sleep better. We recently had somebody who stopped snoring. We had somebody who hadn't had dreams in a long time because he hadn't gotten into deep sleep in a long time. So he started having dreams, which is fantastic. Um, and then there's, like, really odd things. Like, remember... Um, yeah. like somebody's eye stopped running. Oh yeah. Like, they had been to the doctor. She had been to the doctor several times to figure out why are her eyes running all the time and they stopped running. Yeah. We had a couple that uh, can't take credit for them getting pregnant, but they'd been trying for like, years and they went on the diet for a while and they were able to get pregnant. So, and they were like getting into the point where the, where they were getting ready to start the hormones and all those things to try to, and they, and they went in for a checkup and they're like, I think I'm pregnant and they were. So, um, I mean, little, I mean, we think of it as little things. We're not in the habit, our society is not in the habit of thinking that our nutrition does much for our actual health. They think it does stuff for weight or that it's not going to affect our hormones. It's like... It's like there's a dis they're disjointed. They don't see that they kind of merge together. But there are some, for some people, some big changes. Joint pain is a big one. Yeah. Um, in our 90-day challenge that just ended here, joint pain was a really big one where people said, I used to have this pain in my foot, and it wouldn't go away, and now it's gone. Or my hairdresser, whose hand doesn't hurt anymore, so he can cut hair. And it's just, it's really cool. It's really cool that the things that people don't watch are usually the things that get better. And I'll say that some, some people will say, well, it's because you lost weight. I mean, all these things, they always say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's not the food. It's because you lost weight. But we have had people that were relatively, that didn't have any weight to lose. 
but they just ate a lot of, we all know those guys, they can eat, or girls, they can eat anything they want. They're always skinny, but they're eating mostly junk food. And um, they went, you know, they didn't lose any weight, but they got, oh, I'm not gassy anymore. Mm -hmm. Their skin cleared up. Like one person had acne and it went away. And they thought it was um, just a coincidence. And then they went back to eating their own ways. Their acne came back. So, yeah. So, I mean, you can look deeper down the road and like which, like which of those foods or which combinations of the foods that they eliminated is causing the problem. But the fact is that there's something in nutrition that does affect people on many levels other than just losing weight. Yeah, this is really true. So, um, we covered a lot. Is there anything else you would like to add in? Kind of as a kind of as a landing for anyone who's watching this, looking for some inspiration to start. Uh, I would say that whatever it is that you can change, whether it's your breakfast, moving it to a green smoothie like it is in your program, or starting to walk a little bit, whatever that small change is, is that you feel you can start today. Just start with it. And don't worry about how much more it's going to take to get you where you're going. As long as you start doing one thing, that one thing is going to take a while to settle and then you'll be able to add more things down the the line and just immerse yourself in information so that you can get inspired to do more later. Yeah. Don't look at what it takes to be perfect because that's overwhelming. Like if I looked at what I would take for me to have like the perfect body, perfect health, perfect sleep, there's too many things to look at at once. So if you just look at one thing, what's one thing that I can do today to make things better than they were yesterday? Then start with that. And then tomorrow, if you have it in you, do one more and next week and just sort of keep track of them. We're big fans of logging like what you're uh, keeping a sort of a, a log. It doesn't have to be a workout log or a food log or anything, but more like a journal. Hey, here's some things that I've started today. And then next week you can look, hey, how'd that go? Do I want to add more? Do I have success? Some, some of them you might not notice a difference and you'll stop doing that and move on to something else. But we have the capability in our little brains to do work on multiple things at once. But the key is just to find things that you enjoy, you find doable, and that are the not going to lead to failure. If you see something that you know, I'm just not going to do that, Don't do it. Do something else. Find something that you can do and that you can succeed. Show yourself that you're not going to fail, that you're not a failure, and then you're more likely to – a year from now, you might look at yourself and go, wow, I did that thing that was a year ago I said I'd never be able to do. Yeah. Yeah, this is absolutely true. It's it's so easy to start with a small small step and then see what what really can change. So before we close – um, about your new book, we haven't talked about it. So what is it about? What people can expect? Well, it's going to be a while. I mean, it's just submitted to the publisher. So um, they might, you know, she's really nice, but we're like, oh, I hope she loves it as much as we loved writing it. Um, It'll be a good nine months before it's out. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a full self-care, self-coaching book. So it helps with all the pillars both eating real food and learning how to cook at home and learning how to include more movement in your daily life. It has to do a lot with whole body alignment and how to make sure that your skeletal system is aligned and well. Um, And then it has a lot to do with mind-body, stress management, restorative sleep. 
And she wrote a really good one, a really good chapter on meditation, which is just taking five minutes to starting with just five minutes and how powerful it can be. Just the idea that you are taking time to meditate is so can be so much more important than getting the perfect meditation period down. Yeah. And we have one on how a little story about how going, going barefoot more often and changing shoes to more minimal shoes has can really positively affect your life. And that's not a, it's not a hard change to make. So each of these chapters in the book uh, is a, an actionable chapter that gives you a personal story, whether it's our own story or a story with a client that was inspiring or successful or thought-provoking, and then a piece of research connected to the story or several pieces of research sometimes, and then some action items for that week. Um, so, for example, the... Um, detoxing from electronics chapter, you know, gives you 10 different ways that you can use your screens less and what to do in the meantime. And there's over 60 of those chapters. So you can imagine if you do one thing every week or every several weeks, the book will take you about two to three years to go through. Or you can just use it kind of as a troubleshooter and be like, okay, I want to really learn how to make bone broth and I really want to learn how to cook liver. So you can use it as just a reference book as well. So we're super excited. It's a really big book um, and uh, it's got a lot, just, of, yeah. a lot of practical stuff in it. There's so a lot we of just recipes. Each, yeah, we wanted each chapter to be super simple but have a powerful message. So here's something that will have a big impact on you but here's the really easy way to do it, but yeah. a fun way to do it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun book. I love it. It's my favorite book we've written. We got to write a lot of recipes and uh, that were super simple. We got a lot of great feedback about the bone broth chapter because people don't – and making your own yogurt is in there. Um, all these things that are pretty simple but can have a powerful impact on your on your life. And there's, just a, and there's also just a huge sense um, – of accomplishment that you can get from, from succeeding at these little things every week or so. We have about 60 people in a coaching group that are going through some of the chapters and kind of giving us feedback. So it's been wonderful as we were writing it to, you know, have some of the feedback from people that are actually trying those steps. Like, Hey, how about you switch to higher quality coffee this week and just stop putting stuff in it. That brings on the field. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So, um, whatever information people would love to have from you, they can find it on eatwellmovewell.com. Yeah, not yep. fit in anymore, right? It's yeah, well, we move well. You can get to it both ways. Yeah. Right. Okay, and yeah. all the social media channels you can either look for Roland Denzel or Galina Denzel. You will find yep. them. Yep. On, our, on, Eat well Move, on the homepage of eatwellmovewell.com, there's a, a links down at the bottom next to our beautiful picture of like all the different ways you can find yeah. us on all. They can follow you wherever they want to to have the information coming through. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you have a free gift to share. Yes. <laughs> so we talked so much about the real food and the real food reset, and uh, we have a program that everyone can get for free. There's a short lecture called Pain-Free Nutrition. That's a, um, it's, it's on YouTube. It's a, it's a cool video that they can get a link to. And then also that leads them um, directly to the website as well. So we'll, um, we'll give you that page to put in your notes, yeah? 
yes, it's um, pain free. I think it, yeah, pain free nutrition. It's eatwellmovo.com. It's eatwellmovo.com slash pain free nutrition. Okay, thank you so much. That is very, very much appreciated. And I will check it out just right afterwards. So I'm the most curious to know what it is about. And well, you know, it leads to one of the things you get when you do when you go in and check out. She's, it's Galena doing a great video. But it also leads to our 30 Days of Real Food, which is a program that we went, we took our coaching clients through. We had a group, 30 Days of Real Food Challenge. And um, that's the precursor to the real food reset a lot of people wanted it's been the real food reset has more stories and things like that and it's something you can either hold in your hand or put on the kindle but the same information is in uh, 30 days of real food so perfect thank you so much for for attending this video summit and sharing all of your knowledge i appreciate it very much and I look forward to keep in touch with you. Obviously, I will follow you and observe what your steps are going. And yeah, who knows what, what comes next. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It was wonderful. <laughs> I wish you all the best with your uh, new book coming out. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you Thanks. online soon. Nice <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice day. See you. you too. Bye. Bye-bye.